listen y'all bound for glory has come and gone and baby it was a highly successful show i really was upset that i missed bound for glory but i hope you guys enjoyed the recap that i put up of bound for glory's match card and we're gonna get into bound for glory and the winners and losers of bound for glory so let's start off with because i forgot to put this on the original podcast (laughs) Baby, I forgot. <laughs> and we talked about TNA on the last podcast, which the last podcast was podcast was very short, very sweet. But I completely forgot to talk about the podcast, talk about the Bound for Glory show on the podcast, which I am so sorry. I did not watch Bound for Glory because, baby, I was broke. Okay, Bound for Glory was thirty nine ninety nine, and I ain't gonna lie, I am so used to having my Peacock Network up and ready to roll or my WWE network up and ready to roll, and I only pay for what is available at the time. But, uh, I mean, I only get, I watch whatever is up there. If it's a crown jewel or if it's a, you know, anything that I want to watch, I do not have to pay an extra fee. Now, that may change. WWE might start charging for the big five, which is money in the bank. Uh, Royal Rumble, uh, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, and SummerSlam, they might start charging for those pay-per-views, which, to be fair, I can't blame them. Um, they got to make their money somewhere, make it back somewhere. But if you ask me, I think they make their money pretty well on ticket sales alone. But that's neither here nor there. So I didn't watch Bound for Glory based off of the cost of the show. Now, I wish I could have. Because I really am upset that I missed a lot of the matches. But next time, I'm going to plan ahead. And I'm going to have that money set to the side to watch Bound for Glory as well as Slammiversary. But with all that being said, y'all should have heard on the previous podcast that Impact is going back to TNA. Now, last time we had Trey D on the show this past podcast. Shout out to Trey D. Today is his birthday. Happy birthday to you. We love wrestling. We love you and we appreciate you and we hope you have a great birthday, okay? Um, so let's get into the match card. Alright, y'all. So let's start off with the matches that well, I didn't see all of them, but I did get to see some clips, okay? So there's good. <laughs> like one thing impact, aka TNA, is very good at is making sure you see the clips, okay? So let's start off with the tag team titles. The women's tag team titles were not on the Bound for Glory card from what I understand. That was not shown. We ended up getting that match later on Impact's YouTube channel. And MKUltra did retain their titles. Tasha Steeles and Deanna Perrazzo had a miscommunication in their match which led to them losing, and they were arguing after that match was over. Now, I don't know if this is going to lead to a battle between the two women, but we'll have to wait and see how this plays out tonight. But it seems like Deanna Perrazzo was trying to capture some gold in TNA, but it don't seem like that's going to be the case. In fact, it looks like one of her longtime friends is going to be turning into one of her arch rivals very soon. And her, that friend, obviously, is Tasha Steeles. With all that being said, let us move on to the next one. All right. So, moving on to the next tag team match that happened at Bound for Glory. 
we're going to be talking about Chris Bay and Ace Austin, ABC, versus the Rascals. So like I said before, the Rascals have been doing any and everything to maintain themselves at the top of the tag team division. I mean, after all, Trey Miguel was one of the longest reigning, you know, X-Division champions. And moving into that tag team title realm, it was only fit for the former king of the X-Division to take over in that tag team division. Now, as I also said before, the tag team titles had eluded the Rascals' grips six times too many, and they were more than ready to do whatever it took to keep those titles. And they did that in this match. Everything from using spray paint to low blowing to cheating, you name the cheating, they did it, okay? But ultimately, it was a battle of who wanted it more, and it just turned out that Chris Bay and Ace Austin were going to get those titles back no matter what the Rascals did. Now, I don't know what this means for the Rascals. They've since lost their titles to Chris Bay and Ace Austin. But that doesn't mean that they can't challenge for them again. They are owed a title shot due to being former champions. At least that is where my recollection of this goes. Now, it doesn't mean that Ace Austin and Chris Bay are going to retain those titles. It could be a, you know, flippy, floppy, you keep one, I keep one, tip for tat situation. Or it could be that this is the final time that these four men will meet in the ring. Me personally, I think at Hard to Kill, they're going to fight again. And this time, it's going to be the spoils go to the victor. I don't know who's going to win this match at Hard to Kill, but it is very possible that that person or that team who wins could be ABC. But it's not as if Trey Miguel and Zachary Wentz aren't good enough to continue their reign or set their legacy for those titles. But this time, the victor was ABC. Let's move into a match that wasn't a title match. The Monsters Ball match is pretty simple. It's a free-for-all match where the opponents are pretty much gassed up and revved up to have this massive fight amongst each other. It was Moose versus PCO versus Rhino versus Steve Macklin. Now, for the last couple of weeks, Steve Macklin has been calling Bully Ray soft and has been saying he lost his edge ever since he went up against PCO and he's not what he used to be. Bully Ray seemed to be taking all those comments and backsliding bullshit in stride. He didn't seem to be affected by it. It was just a very, eh, fine, whatever. He didn't really show that he cared too much, but I guess that over time, those comments that Steve Macklin kept making very publicly were getting to his head, and he didn't like it. So during that Monsters Ball match with all the chaos and carnage that was happening, Bully Ray came out there to pay Steve Macklin a little visit, and basically, he gave Steve Macklin a taste of his own medicine. This took Steve Macklin completely out of the match, and it left PCO moose and rhino to continue to fight for which pco ended up winning so if you care pco is the grand dom of monsters in impact wrestling also known as tna quite frankly 
I don't care for anyone in this match. I think Moose needs to hang up his boots and call it a day. I also believe that <laughs> PCO is old and needs to go ahead and hang it up. Moose is not a good wrestler, in my opinion. And for him to call himself a wrestling god is baffling to me. I don't get the appeal of him. He's just a big black man, and that's not appealing. His wrestling is subpar compared to other big men that have wrestled. There are men that are in impact that are twice as good, if not better than him. They're half his size. He has the ability to be a big man, and he doesn't even use it as that much to his advantage. And the biggest issue is that his reliance on being a big man and that he's bigger than everybody else, it's it makes for a very lackadaisical, lazy match that's not fun to watch. So while he may regard himself as a wrestling god, I regard him as, in the words of Hulk, I'll call him a puny god. Y'all can enjoy that, but I tend to ignore Moose very often. BCO, again, is getting older. He needs to be hanging up his boots and get his retirement fund. I don't understand why he's still wrestling and doing the gimmick that he's doing. I understand that that's his shtick, that's his thing. But at this point in his career, I think he's done enough to prove that he doesn't have to do this anymore. And that he could be in the back, helping to develop other talent, or working to help develop storylines and move things forward, or training superstars. I think oftentimes wrestlers like PCO forget the, the wisdom that they've acquired over the years can really, really help to shape and mold the next seat or the next class of wrestlers that are going to be doing amazing and wonderful things. But they can't do that if they're still wrestling, trying to prove that they're good wrestlers. With all that being said, the same could be good said for Rhino, you know, Bully Ray. Seemed like it was a bunch of matches, just one match for a bunch of old heads and only two guys who actually are a part of this era, which is Steve Macklin and Moose, which doesn't say much. Only person I really liked in this match was Steve Macklin. Steve Macklin is a great wrestler, in my opinion. Character-wise, he is fucking gnarly. Like, you can really love to hate Steve Macklin. He plays that role exceptionally well. He's probably one of the nicest guys in the world. But he just is a douchebag as a character. And you gotta love that because you gotta have characters that you just absolutely detest. You gotta have characters that are just disgustingly evil. You know? Because I'm sick of the world where we're stuck in this this world of wrestling where the villains get praised and the, the heroes are booed. And it's just like, play your role and shut your mouth. Like, do the most dastardly of things so that people can hate you. Because if people aren't hating you, you aren't doing your job right. I'm talking to you, Rhea Ripley. I'm talking to you. <laughs> Gonna be honest, I didn't get to see the Call Your Shot Gauntlet match, and uh, I didn't really get to see most of Bound for Glory, but I got to see clips, so this is why we're recapping it, and this is what we're gonna do. So, in the Call Your Shot match, there were a couple of surprise appearances. We had Juventud Guerrera, and we had... Matt Cordona returned to his Impact Wrestling roots. And then we had probably one of my favorite surprises at Bound for Glory was Sunny Kiss, the girl herself, the doll, the diva, appeared in Impact Wrestling in the Call Your Shot Gotham match. And she was sensational. Impact is the most perfect place for Sunny 
to thrive and be at the top of her game. I can't wait to see what she does. And in that ring, and she can be amazing playing off of Trin, working with Tasha Steeles, possibly working with Deanna Perrazzo. There is so much potential with that roster. You've got Giselle Shaw. You've got Courtney Rush, Jessica Havoc. You have Savannah Evans. So many women on that roster that are amazing. Kylan King as well. They have a really good budding women's division over there in Impact. And I can't wait to see. And I hope that Sunny Kiss sticks around because I love her. I think she always does hits it out the park in her matches. She looks great. She just is, she is the girl, okay? She is the doll. She is the diva, all right? She is the time and of the essence. And I hope that she sticks around in Impact. I really do. Because she is going to make strides there strides that she never could have touched heights she never could have gotten to in AEW because they were too afraid to get her where she needed to be and to back her because of it they were too afraid but impact they ain't never scared so we love that and then call your shot gauntlet match did end with a winner and unfortunately it was not our doll our diva our girl sunny kiss it was none other than Jordan Grace, and she decided to call her shot immediately after the match. So Jordan Grace will face off against Trinity at Hard to Kill in January when Impact is no more and TNA returns to its former glory. There are two matches on this card that everybody was actually looking forward to, and one of them is Chris Saban versus Kenta. Now, like I said, Chris Saban had a title defense, and Kenta decided to let everybody know that he was coming to Impact for one thing and one thing only, and that was Chris Saban's X-Division Championship. And Chris Saban had never wrestled Kenta before, so this was an interesting turn of events for him. He was very much interested in going up against one of the best in the world. And, of course, this match had its highs and its lows, but according to the dirt sheets that did a full review of the match, it was toddling between a B and a C level match. Bleacher Report gave it a C plus, whereas some other websites like ABC, well, CBS Sports, and various other outlets that do report the wrestling pay-per-views said that it was worth a B plus at best. Me personally, because I didn't get to see the match, I can't give you guys a rating as to whether it was good or bad. But I can tell you from the clips that I saw online, whether it be Twitter or Instagram, I would say it was a fairly solid match between two of the best competitors that wrestling has to offer. With all that being said, it was Chris Saban who was able to come out of the smoke as the victor and retained his Impact X Division Championship, as if it was going to go in any other way. <laughs> he retained. And now we're going to move into probably one of the most anticipated matches and one of the most hyped matches of the night. It was Will Ospreay versus Mike Bailey. Now, Will Ospreay went up against Mike Bailey, and this was basically a match to show who was better. I am, you know, iron always sharpens iron here. And Will Ospreay, whether you love him or hate him, is still one of the best wrestlers in the world at what he does. Because I know this is going to hit some people very hard. He is one of the best wrestlers at what he does best. 
Willow Spray is an aerial showman. That is what he enjoys. That's where he rests. That is where his greatest skill lies. And Mike Bailey is very fast, but he also is an aerial showman. So you take two guys who exist in this genre and work very well in this genre and put them in a match where they can do nothing but try to outshine and outwork each other, and you're going to have one of the best matches you've seen all year. From the clips that I saw online and from the resounding ratings that everyone gave this match, I'd say that this easily was one of the best matches, if not the best match of the night on the Bound for Glory card. These two men were going at it like they had everything in the world to prove, not only to the fans and to their opponents, but to themselves. Mike Bailey had been doubting himself for weeks. Even so much so, it almost, well, it looks like it did cost him his friendship with Jonathan Gresham. But I think that's more on Gresham's part than it is Mike Bailey's. There was a little sparring match between the two men before his match with Will Ospreay, and Jonathan Gresham cheated to win. Despite the fact that he's been bitching and moaning and complaining about losing matches and people cheating and not having integrity in their matches. With all that being said, I think that is a feud that will be revisited later on down the line. In this case, when it comes to Will Ospreay and Mike Bailey, these two men showed up and showed out as they should. They put on a banger of a match that will be watched for years to come, and everybody can say that Mike Bailey truly lived up to his nickname as the Speedball, and of course, you have Will Ospreay, who's considered to be the aerial assassin. With all that being said, I would say that while Mike Bailey did not beat Will Ospreay, Ospreay ended up winning that match. Mike Bailey definitely gave him a good run for his money. So... There you have it. Now it's time to move into the final two matches of the night. Both of these matches were title matches, and they were pretty significant for both sets of competitors. Trinity went up against Mickey James, and of course, the two children, the massive fight between Alex Shelley and Josh Alexander. But first, let's start off with Mickey James and Trinity. Trinity and Mickey James had a whirlwind of a fight this past Saturday at Bound for Glory. It all started when Trinity was being saved by Mickey James from Giselle Shaw and Toe. And Trinity thanked her for her help and, of course, helping her to ward off Giselle and Savannah Evans and Jay Vidal. But Mickey had been eyeing Trinity's title for quite some time. Ever since she returned at Impact 100 1000, Mickey James had been eyeing that championship. To be fair, Mickey never lost the title. Mickey James had to relinquish it due to her own injury, and by that time, by the time Trinity got there, Mickey James was long gone and a new champion had been crowned. So now we're here, and Trinity and Mickey James have been longtime friends since before Impact and after Impact and during Impact. But they have never, ever crossed paths where they were actually opponents against each other until last Saturday at Bound for Glory. Mickey James and Trinity put on a really solid match between the two of them. And for the most part, a lot of people enjoyed it. From what I saw from the reviews, they gave this match between a B and a C, very similar to Chris Saban and Kenta's match. There were some key moments in the match. Of course, Trinity does her signature butt shake. 
And of course, Mickey James was like, don't threaten me with a good time, honey. And gave her a typical, you know, little Z-licking motion with the fingers. And I was like, oh, you and Nick be having some good times in your bedrooms. I know it. Y'all nasty. <laughs> Anyways, the girls were fighting. And it was a back and forth match and bout between the two. But ultimately, Trinity was able to best one of the greatest knockouts champions ever and was able to get her endorsement for one of her greatest friends. And Trinity has now solidified herself, if she hasn't already, as a formidable defending knockouts champion. And now her next opponent, Jordan Grace, might be one of her biggest and hardest challenges ever. While Deanna Grace is a formidable opponent and one of the greatest knockouts champions of all time, as is Mickey James, they do not possess the power and the brawn that Jordan Grace possesses. So this is going to be a test of wills for Trinity. And it's going to be a proven ground for her to see if she's going to be able to stand her ground against any opponent that poses a threat to her championship. So we'll have to wait and see what happens at Hard to Kill when Trinity faces off against Jordan Grace. But for now, she is your reigning, defending, knockout champion, Trinity. Now it's time for the big kahuna. The Impact World Heavyweight Championship was being contested by Josh Alexander. Just to give you guys a little bit of tea on Josh Alexander, he is considered one of the greatest Impact World Heavyweight Champions of all time, mainly because of his tenure in that title. The amount of defenses and as he defended that title with honor and respect he never officially lost that championship he had to vacate it due to injury and during that time a new champion rose to the top of the mountain that champion was steve macklin at one point that title reign was very short-lived because alex shelley would come in and take that championship from him and keep it until he faced up against Josh Alexander at Bound for Glory. Now, for a long, long time, Josh Alexander did acknowledge that Alex Shelley was the champion, but he kept acting as if Josh Alexander, Josh Alexander was acting as if Alex was just holding his championship for him. It was simply he was just a means to an end, or at least that's how he presented himself. But Alex Shelley didn't like it. And he took offense to the fact that he wasn't being regarded as somebody to beat, but more specifically, somebody to take something from. He also didn't like the fact that Josh Alexander kept egging on the fact that he never lost his championship and that that championship was his. And then he somehow got it in his head that Josh Alexander felt that he was a transitional champ and that, like I said, he was just a placement holder for him so he can come back and remain as the champion. Alex Shelley had one goal, to be the man he couldn't be originally and prove that he deserved to be the Impact World Champion. And Josh Alexander had one goal, and that was to reclaim his spot atop the Impact Mountain. Both men fought very hard, but ultimately, like I said, Keith Victor those the spoils. And Alex Shelley was the one who was able to best Josh Alexander. How he did that can be considered controversial. Easily revisited in a second match at Hard to Kill. 
makes sense to me. But we never know what impact AKA TNA is going to do. For now, we all have to live with the fact that Alex Shelley is still your reigning, defending Impact World Champion. And that is not changing. At least not right now. As the show got ready to go off, Scott DeMora cut a five-minute promo talking about TNA and Impact. And essentially, what it explained is that Impact, after January 13th, will be no more, and it is returning to its former glory of total nonstop action wrestling. TNA is coming back, and in the words of their own press release, they're getting a whole new look. They're getting a whole new production. Everything is going to be revived and upgraded, and you're going to get bigger venues to hold more people, brighten up plays. It's going to be just changing to the tilt, and we love that for Impact. I mean, TNA. It's going to be a good time. Now, if you guys have been listening to the podcast, and you know last week, well, earlier this week, we had Trey D on the show, and he didn't think there was any reason to change. Sometimes change can be good. I'm a WWE fan, so. <laughs> change. Change sometimes needs to happen. And maybe in this case, when it comes to impact, switching back to TNA, you can have a little bit more wiggle room with marketing. The guys and the girls in the previous episode of this podcast talked about the marketing, how it's a little bit easier to market TNA. It's easier to chant things. Things get over quickly, more quickly when you have a little bit more of that, you know, rolling off the tongue situation. I see nothing but good things for TNA. And I think that them going back to bigger venues, putting on, you know, having a new look and a new setup can really lend to their credibility of being taking that second spot from AEW as a true contender to what WWE is putting out. They're literally the antithesis. I can't talk today. They are the antithesis of everything that is currently professional wrestling right now you have wwe who are really diving deep into storyline based matches and better quality matches and you have aew who are leaning more towards professional wrestling style shows but still lean into storyline based matches whereas impact is full-on storytelling and everything can be just as outrageous and avant-garde as it can be and then sometimes they dial it back and give you solid matches in beautiful aerial spots impact is a culmination or an amalgamation of everything that we love about wrestling and i think a lot of you that have written impact off are really missing out on some good times and when you finally come back you're going to be late to the party so I hope when TNA returns in January that you're on board because this new boat that's coming, baby, it's still a part of that wrestling renaissance that I and several others that I know have been talking about for years now. The renaissance is upon us. It's already happened in WWE. It's slowly starting to happen in Impact, a.k.a. TNA. And NWA Power is now going to be on a nationally televised television show. They're going to be on TV. If AEW doesn't get their shit together, babes, they're going to be left behind the pack. And they're going to be just where Impact was a few years ago. 
where people were shitting on it and no one was really watching it. I hope that doesn't happen for the sake of the superstars and, of course, for the sake of the fans. Because, like y'all say, competition breeds better quality. And we shall see.